0: Welcome explorers! I have a slightly unusual podcast episode for you today, as it's a little more adventurous than our usual city guide. This week we're taking you on a hiking tour of the Mont Blanc Trail. But don't worry, my special guest, Gretchen Lynch, is going to give us awesome tips to make it seem less scary than it sounds.
1: Welcome to Explore Europe a podcast series for American military stations in and around Germany. Each episode brings you travel tips and local secrets to help you get the most out of your time overseas. This episode is proudly sponsored by Used Car Guys, pre-owned military car sales all over Germany and new car sales for stateside delivery when you PCS. Good cars from good guys. And now introducing your hosts michelle purse and john sweeney who've been living in germany and exploring europe for over 15 years so where should we explore today well there's only one way to find out it's on with the show
0: welcome explorers i'm so excited to welcome you back to another episode of explore europe and i have a really really fantastic episode for you today This one is for true adventurers, but don't panic. If you're not yet a true adventurer, then my guest here is going to help you get started on really making the most out of your time in Europe. Uh, Welcome, Gretchen. Gretchen, thank you for coming on the podcast today. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Gretchen, perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit about when you arrived in Germany and what you're doing here, just to give our listeners a little bit of understanding of
2: what you're doing here. My husband and I are both teachers for DoDEA, Um, we teach in the Kaiserslautern area, he's a high school teacher and I'm an elementary music teacher, both of us are music teachers and we have been here since um, September of 2017 after teaching for 17 years in the United States, but we actually met in Europe um the year before that so we're excited to be back on the continent and love to explore and so we're excited yeah let
0: me just take you back to when you met your husband because I think as I talk to you throughout this episode it's going to become quite clear that you guys are quite an adventurous couple you do travel a lot you're quite seasoned explorers so tell me about how you met your husband
2: um we both did one year of teaching um, after finishing our undergraduate. And then we went to um, Hungary, about a, a institute a music, a pedagogical training institute about an hour outside of Budapest um, in a little town called Kecskemét, And we studied music education um, as part of our master's degree there um, back in 2001. Did a lot of traveling during that time. Um, We got married and we have uh, lived in the United States for quite some time. Um,
0: Fantastic. So, but your husband's Australian, is that right?
2: Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that part. Yes, he's Australian.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's significant because I've never met an Australian that wasn't a, an adventurer yeah. and a seasoned traveler. So, but it sounds like you already had this spirit, travel, and adventure in you before you met, and I guess the two of you just came together as kindred spirits.
2: Yeah, both of us have done a lot of traveling before we met. And, um, you know, as much as we could as teachers, it's nice because we have summers off. So we were able to do a lot of traveling before kids. And, you know, as much as we could with kids, we had our first nine years ago. And um, it's been a little more difficult. But, um, yeah, we do as much traveling as we can.
0: So is it fair to say that you're returning to Europe and moving to Germany, you weren't as intimidated by that as perhaps some of our listeners would be?
2: Um, No, we were... Gung ho and excited to get out as much as we could.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So what we're gonna to do today is use some of your experiences to help people that perhaps, you know, haven't quite ventured that far away from the KMC or Wiesbaden or Stuttgart. We're gonna help them have quite a big adventure today, but we're going to do it gently and you know, we're going to really help them step by step on how to do it. So tell us where we're exploring today, Gretchen.
2: Uh, we are exploring Tour de Mont Blanc. Wow. Uh, which is a loop um, around Mont Blanc. I actually didn't know anything about it until my husband um, got this idea that we should do this over the summer. Um, so it's it's a hike that is circular and has views of Mont Blanc, which is the tallest mountain in um, this part of Europe. Mm-hmm. So it normally takes about two weeks. We didn't want to do two whole weeks um, away from our children. So we uh, we did this with another who has a small child as well. So we were both able to find ways that we could um, have childcare for our kids for one week and we did half of the tour.
0: So let me just go back to that. We're going to an area called Mont Blanc Chamonix that's situated on the corner of this little corner down south between Italy, France and Switzerland. So it kind of encompasses potentially three countries. Yes, It's the tallest peak in the Alps at 4,808 meters. I'm not that clever. I had to Google that before this interview. So that's how I know. But just now, I've skied at Mont Blanc and it's an amazing area. But I've also read and heard a lot about climbers losing their lives on Mont Blanc. So can I I just want to get this out of the way first, because, you know, the idea of a walking tour around Mont Blanc could be quite terrifying to some people. We're not talking about a dangerous technical climb here, are we?
2: No, no. In fact, it doesn't ever get high enough. You're never high enough in altitude to even get altitude sickness.
0: So this is a, I'm not going to say it's an easy tour. It's definitely athletic and energetic. And in your fantastic notes you gave to me before this podcast interview, you did suggest that if you're not physically fit, then two to three months training of taking some hikes would be a really good idea to get yourself in shape for this but you don't need to be a technical mountain climber to do this. This is essentially a strenuous walk every day. Is that right?
2: Yeah, correct.
0: Fantastic. Okay. You also mentioned some other magic words there, and that was childcare. So you did this trip with Jamie, your husband and some Mm -hmm. friends, but you didn't take your children. What did you do with your children for a week?
2: We actually found a wonderful camp in um, Germany. It's a bilingual camp. So it's great for um, both, English speakers or German speakers. Um, Everything in the camp is in English and German Uh and they have one week sessions and two week sessions and being my son's um, first time away from home we we opted for the the one week session. I'm glad you
0: mentioned that because I I feel like you've probably you're probably bringing up your kids to be quite adventurous but if this is their first time uh, you know the youngest is first time away from home that can be quite Frightening and intimidating, especially when they're living in a foreign country as well. So he he went off happily to this camp.
2: He went off happily. He came back and said he didn't want to come home. So <laughs>
0: okay, well, I think that's a great endorsement, and you've given me you've given me a link to this to this camp. So I'm going to put that yeah. in the show notes. Um, okay. Are they expensive? I know camps are quite common in the in the US. They're not so common in the United Kingdom. So this would feel like quite a big deal for any of our UK listeners. But for for you guys from from the US. Summer camps are quite, quite common, right? Is that right?
2: Yes, and they're also much more expensive. Um, I think this was a third of what we paid to send my daughter to camp in the States. Uh, so the cost was around €350 Euros for a week.
0: And does that include all of their food and everything?
2: It includes everything. Wow. Everything except um, transportation to get there.
0: Wow, so that's like €50 Euros a day. That's pretty good, yes. even for childcare, yeah. isn't it? Let yeah. alone
2: activities
0: and food and accommodation. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. So where where was this camp?
2: Uh, it was close to Hanover, Germany.
0: Okay, so you drove them to Hanover, and then how? Where did you start your tour from? Let's start talking through actually getting to the start of the tour.
2: Okay, so the next day we went to um, Chamonix, mm-hmm, which is in and, France. Yes, okay. and we, um, you know, we we arrived late, and we um, spent the night in a ski chalet. And the cost was only 20 euros for each person to sleep there. Wow. Um, Is that because it's out of season or I mean? So I have to hand it to our friend, Michael, who did most of the research. Like I said, I hadn't even heard of Tour de Mont Blanc when my husband um, mentioned it to me. He had heard it from his running buddy, Michael. Uh, Michael is actually running the um, ultra trail race.
0: That's next weekend, isn't
2: it? It I is. And, and he is running it. And so part of the reason um, he wanted to do this trip, I think, was to hike what he's going to be running ah. in next week, I guess. So um, we, we hiked exactly the route that he will be doing his run on. Oh,
0: fantastic.
2: And he did most of the planning and he found amazing um, deals for places to stay, like this Twenty euros a night to stay in a ski chalet that was right by the entrance we could just you know park our car near the ski chalet and start walking so you
0: you started your hike in Chamonix now you've said to me that if
2: you do the full hike it's
0: like a a two-week hike and is that a circular hike or that goes from point to point
2: it's it's a circular hike so actually we started in um we wanted to end in Chamonix so we, okay. we parked our car near that ski chalet, and that's where we we walked out on the end. But um, the day we started, we walked to a bus, and we took a bus through the mountain.
0: Okay, and that's through the Mont Blanc Tunnel? Yeah. Okay, that's quite a famous tunnel in itself.
2: Yeah, I think it cost us 15 euros. Okay. And it dropped us off right at um, like the halfway point of the hike. Perfect. And so then we were able to hike I guess it's the the east circle going counterclockwise. I think.
0: Okay, we'll have to look on it. We'll have to look on a map yeah. and, and show. And I've got links. Gretchen has given me the most amazing detailed notes on this tour, and I have lots of links to share with our listeners about how to find out details of this tour. So um, that was your first day, and then the accommodation we you booked all in advance, or did you just kind of turn yeah. up and hope? they'd be
2: beds for you. Oh, I would not recommend just turning up, because most of the places were full, and in fact, it would have been ideal to have about six hours of hiking a day, and okay. we, um, we did not, because when we booked, which was around March, mm-hmm. um, the places that would have made it a nice, even hike were already booked up. Wow. And when
0: when did you do your tour? You did that in June?
2: We did it the last week of June. Yes. Wow.
0: So three months in advance and everything's still getting booked up. So this really needs to be something that you are planning out. And it sounds like, if you're planning it out then if you're not athletic as you said you've then got your period of training that you can go into so yeah actually that all comes together quite nicely
2: yeah and june is early some of the places some of the um refuges were not even open yet so that was part of the issue um things don't really get hopping until july because there's still a lot of snow on the mountains in in late june yeah So um, I would recommend going a little later than we did.
0: Okay, good. And you're talking about refuges here. Are are they like hostels with multiple beds in each room? I mean, kind of how basic is the accommodation?
2: They range. um, Most of the places had rooms with maybe between four and eight beds. But there were a couple places that were just, you know, a huge room of beds.
0: Okay, so... It's it's going to be a trip where you're going to get comfortable sleeping near strangers. Yeah.
2: But yes, the... bring your plugs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, snore. Yeah, I can't sleep in a room with other people snoring. It drives me nuts. <laughs> okay, so I mean, this is this is quite uh you know for some people this could be quite intimidating. But what's your
2: what's your advice to them? Um, I, I actually thought it was going to be more roughing it than it actually was. Um, the the the, the okay. food is is you know wonderful. You. All of these refuges included uh, breakfast and dinner. And they were, the, the, I was expecting much more basic meals than what we got, but they were, you know, okay. very hearty and cooked well. You know, the, the views from the refuges are beautiful. And, you know, they have, you, you're meeting, everybody that you're meeting is on the same trip that you are. They're, they're all adventurous people who are um, trekking through through the Alps. And so you meet like-minded people and, you know, you sit down and make a new friend in an hour and, and then you get to meet more people the next night. So.
0: How is everyone communicating? What languages are being spoken in these places?
2: Uh, the main language on the trail is French.
0: Okay. And how's your French?
2: I don't speak French. Nothing.
0: <laughs> so you got by is what I'm saying. Yes.
2: Uh, but people would greet people in the, the language that they spoke. So, okay. um, you know, I would say, they'd say bonjour and I'd say hello. Or, you know, they would say... Um, Hello and we'd say hello so we knew that they spoke English as their first language. But um Bonjour w- was the greeting we heard most often. We actually never heard German.
0: Okay. The entire
2: trip. Um Yeah,
0: I guess we're too far away from Germany at that point. It's gonna be French and even the Swiss speak French in that area, don't they?
2: Yeah. But even in Italy, we heard French more than we'd heard anything else. Um
0: Wow, okay. You That's know? surprising me. I mean the
2: the people in the the refuge spoke Italian, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most of the travelers were still speaking French, but most people spoke English as well.
0: So booking these refuges, um, you've given me a link to the, the kind of, I guess the official tour site and all of the places that you booked are listed on that tour and listed on that website. Is that right?
2: Most of them, unless we, um, I think the very last one that we stayed at, uh, we couldn't find anything that was directly on the, the tour. Everything was okay. booked up. So we found, um, a place that was a little off the, the mm-hmm. track, maybe maybe an extra fifteen minutes of hiking. Oh, okay,
0: that's not too too terrifying. So you basically would be planning, looking at maybe around six hours walking a day. Now, is that mm-hmm. hardcore walking or is that reasonably leisurely? Give me an idea of you know how much energy I need for this event.
2: Um, I was walking pretty slowly. Okay. Uh, they have they have a guideline um, that says how long it will take you to hike from one point to the next. And that's a pretty leisurely pace with, um, you know, being able to take photos along the way. And my husband and uh, Michael were, were hiking much faster than we were. Um, so they, w- they would finish, you know, way before the the guidelines said that they would be able to get from point to point.
0: But, but within reason then you were very much safe to kind of go from one point to your next ac- booked accommodation and not feel under pressure to get there before dinner time or anything like that.
2: You, most of the refuges you needed to be out of by nine o'clock in the morning.
0: And okay, that's a good start.
2: <laughs> dinner would not be served until about seven o'clock at night. So okay. you have you know, plenty of time to hike the six hours, if it takes you the whole six hours plus have lunch and snacks and take some breaks.
0: Cool. And let's just talk about lunch. You mentioned that some of the refugees would actually provide you with a packed lunch to take mm-hmm. with you. God, I love this idea. It feels, this feels so adventurous to me. Someone handing me a little bag of food for the day, yeah. sending me off into the mountains, like some great adventurer. And, and
2: was the food good? Oh, the food was great. Yeah. We, we got the lunches a couple of times when we knew we weren't going to be passing through any villages. If, you, okay. if we were passing through villages, we would just stop at a grocery store. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there were a couple of times when we were just on the trail the whole time. And, you know, you can you can actually stop at refuges, but you're looking at, if you don't get have the picnic, you're looking at paying, you know, a, a good deal for cooked lunch. They're like, you know, full on meal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the bags would have uh, usually a candy bar or two and um, a juice and a sandwich and a cheese maybe a yogurt you know they're pretty hardy
0: great great, great. so kind of perfect mountain grub really
2: yeah
1: very,
0: very mm-hmm. good hike let me just ask you about your kit so you're staying in these refuges did you need to like pack a, a sleeping sack and things like that are, are you basically taking everything you need with you at all times
2: yeah, you take everything you need on your back, and I only had a thirty or forty liter bag. Okay, um, it wasn't huge, and it wasn't very heavy either. I had a hydration pack, so I could carry water and be able to drink. Um, you know, I had a three liter, but I think two liter would be adequate. Okay, uh, you need a sleep sack because um, the the refuges all provide blankets and pillows, but they're not providing um, you know, clean sheets. Yeah, so uh, you bring your own. Little sleep sack that weighs hardly anything. So not
0: like a full full on like quilted
2: sleeping bag. No, it's I know just, you don't need it's that. It's just kind of like high, basic for
0: basic hygiene. mm
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. And we, you know, you carry your toiletries, your toothbrush, and your shampoo, and whatever else you need there, and um, a couple T-shirts, you know, a couple of pairs of shorts, a pair of pants. This does get cold in the mornings um a fleece and that's as much warmth as we really needed gloves for the early morning hiking
0: okay that's good to know because I guess you are still even though you're saying you're not high enough to get altitude sickness it does make a bit of a difference just being in the mountains doesn't it
2: oh it's much cooler yeah much cooler up there um I would say you know it's it's kind of chilly until 10 or so in the morning
0: okay and then you've got a good sweat on from your walking yeah right Uh yeah (laughs) Brilliant. So you've given me a fantastic list here, and I'm going to add this list of kits that you need um, to our show notes. But pretty much, if you did nothing other than read the show notes to this podcast interview, I think you would be all set to do do (laughs) at least a week of the Mont Blanc tour. Gretchen, this is fantastic. So you talked about um, on your hike you might come into villages so are you are these villages in the mountains or at any point are you kind of coming down to go back up or is it all kind of you're staying relatively high
2: yeah most of the villages were close to the bottom of the mountain
0: okay so you kind of it's a bit undulating
2: i mean it's not one mountain you're going up and down
0: in my head i'm imagining just tottering along a a, a ridge of a mountain but in reality it's not really like that is it
2: no you're going up and down and, and most of the villages are either you know on the bottom or yeah you know some somewhat up but not on the peaks
0: and so in total you did what six full days of trekking
2: yeah six full days
0: six full days and six overnights or seven
2: overnights um I think it was five overnights okay six days yeah the last day because we had to pick up the kids on Saturday morning so the last day you know we did a full six hours got in the car and drove back and didn't get home until you know close to midnight
0: (laughs) wow that is that's quite hardcore well done Gretchen but I guess you when you have an appointment to pick up your kids you really have to pick up your kids right (laughs) so I'm just reading through your notes and god this just looks amazing where do you think was your favorite spot along the tour
2: oh gosh I don't know if I had a favorite spot everything was special in its own way I mean the views were just amazing the entire, the entire time. I mean, the first day was just special because I'd never seen anything like that. You're looking at everywhere you walk, there's another view of Mont Blanc that's just beautiful. Wow. And you see it in so many different ways. Um, one of the days where we got to our, the highest um, point in our, our trip, it was, you know, it was actually cold and windy up there, and it wasn't anything that I'd experienced before hiking in the Alps. So the terrain was different throughout the throughout the walk so snow crossings that was incredible there were stream crossings there was a day where we had to climb ladders it just everything was so different so it made it very interesting
0: talk to me about the ladder climbing because this is now touching on an area that I think would I would find quite frightening yeah is that like a via ferrata where you clip in to no
2: no okay not that frightening Yeah, I am. I'm afraid of heights. And there were only two parts in the whole week that we were Mm -hmm. walking that I found a little frightening. There was one section where there was a sheer, I mean, there was a a good path there, Mm -hmm. but there was a sheer drop off next to the path. And so to make you feel more comfortable, they had a wire you could hold on to, you know, and I had my hiking poles, but I put them in my, put them in my bag and, and I held on for dear life as I I crossed that part, even though I mean, I'm thinking I haven't fallen the whole trip. I'm not, what is the chance that I'm gonna fall right now? But I've just felt more comfortable holding on to the the wire yeah I'm the
0: same it's not yeah. the height it's the ledge when I can yeah. see when I can see a drop my I, I get that sick feeling in my stomach and I'm yeah. the same on a ski slope and my knees go wobbly and then I actually don't trust myself to stay stable and yeah I think that's,
2: exactly yeah
0: yeah yeah I think we might share the same problem there. <laughs> so it's good to know that there's something to hang on to for sure
2: yeah and then our last day was the day with the ladders And there's actually um, a lot of parts of the Tour de Mont Blanc where they have more than one route. There's a main route and then there's um, alternate routes. Knowing that I am afraid of heights, Michael, our uh, organizer, had looked at the the two options and I knew that we had to get home, you know, that evening. The option that did not involve the ladders was an extra hour and a half of hiking and it was steeper. So I, I decided, okay, I, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. We got there, I didn't know if I could do it. because It's <laughs> not just one ladder, there's um, a series of ladders and then more rock scrambling with metal pegs Yay. to help you steady yourself. Oh, wow. So I told my group, I told my husband and the, the two other people we were traveling with, I have to go first, because if I see anyone else do it, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I, I need to just go and get it over with. So. I did what I thought was the, the entire thing. And then we kept walking and there was more. I (laughs) said, Oh uh, oh no. I mean, I was shaking the whole time. I was sweating. I was so relieved to be done. And then we had to do it again. And the second one was even higher, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not dangerous. It's just, frightening because you're, you're on a ladder and you know, you, you can't stop. You have to keep going, you have to get to the top. Yes. And I can't tell you the relief I felt when I finally got to the top of the second section and knew there wasn't any more. And then, you know, there was a couple behind us that was doing it with their 12 year old and their 14 year old. And I thought, well, if this 12 year old and 14 year old can do it, What's my problem?
0: Oh, great. I tell you, my palms, I'm, I'm listening to this and my palms are sweating because what you're describing is my idea of a living hell. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know exactly how you feel. But I also know that immense feeling of pride and relief once you do mm-hmm. something that you are incredibly frightened of. So yes. um, if you had to go back and do that section again, would you take the long route or would you would you do the ladders again?
2: Um, if I had extra time, I would definitely do the long route. And if I did it with, you know, if I did a section with my nine-year-old who loves to hike, I would definitely would not let her do the ladders. I, I you know, there is, okay. <laughs> it's not so much the risk of falling as I would be afraid that she would stall in the middle. And then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know what to do at that point in time if she was too scared to go up or down. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I could do it again. <laughs>
0: That's that's bold talk. Well, um I'm gonna guess I'm planning so. on doing this trip next year, so I'm gonna come back and tell you whether I was brave enough to do okay. that or go the long way around. Right now I feel like I'm gonna go the long way around, but but we'll see. Yes. So apart from that, there's really nothing terribly frightening about what you're doing. You talked about no. some snow crossings and stream crossings, but they that's just a, a, a tough yeah. hike, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. The the snow crossings, um, I guess there's always a chance that you could slip. Um so yes. I would There's a couple that they're pretty steep. And if you, if you slipped, you could be in trouble. So I definitely recommend bringing, if you go early in the season, bringing crampons or uh, yak tracks to help you with your footing and definitely hiking poles, the hiking poles you can steady yourself with makes it a lot easier to cross.
0: Yeah. I really like using hiking poles anyway. I find they kind of give my back
2: some relief Mm
0: -hmm. going Mm -hmm. up and on the way down, they help with my knees.
2: Yeah, we did see one woman do all the snow crossings with just a pair of hiking boots, no poles, no yak tracks, nothing. But I mean, I think that's a little, little risky.
0: I, I love the idea of an adventurous trip. But adventurous to me doesn't need to mean without safety or without regard for, you know, Mm -hmm. how that happens. I mean, I'm not my husband. I think I would consider an adrenaline junkie. I am not. I like the experience. I want I love the idea of cross, you know, crossing the Mont Blanc trail. That to me sounds fantastic, Mm -hmm. but I don't need an award for doing it. The most dangerous way
2: <laughs> yeah I feel
0: like we, mm-hmm. all, we all have the same view from doing it right no matter how safe or dangerous you do that view wow that just this just sounds amazing um is there anything else you need to take into consideration when planning this trip uh, you sent me a couple of things on notes about sometimes the trails get get blocked or impassable
2: yeah, we had um we had an issue with um like I said, there's different sections of the trail that you can take.
1: Okay.
2: And um the uh, route that Michael's going to be running mm-hmm. takes a different section than the main trail. Okay. Um and it's just a couple couple parts of the trail where we were on a different route than than the main. They have these alternates that, you know, might go higher, might have different obstacles or whatever. And, um, we weren't looking at the website, uh, but it, I looked at it later after our incident on day four, I think it was. And it said, stay on the main route because, um, there have been trail closures on some of the alternate routes, Um, and we were only hiking really the first week that you could hike the trail, um, anything before the last week of June, it's really too snowy. So we were some of the first people hiking it this year. So we, um, we got to, you know, the part where the trail goes from the main to the alternate and we were doing the alternate and we noticed some signs, but they were in French and we couldn't figure out what they, what they meant.
1: So do you do what I do and
0: basically just ignore them because they can't possibly be for me because they're not in English?
2: (laughs) Yeah and there was there was a sign that looked like it said no cars but we thought that meant pedestrians were okay. We just weren't sure. We um we noticed there was a bunch of construction and that we thought maybe that's what the signs were for. So at the bottom of of the mountain when we went from the village to to the, uh, the trail, we had to climb over um, some big mounds of dirt and we figured that was what the issue was.
0: You were wrong, weren't you, Gretchen? You were wrong. That wasn't the issue.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were wrong, yes. We, we were hiking and I'm like, why is no one else on this trail? Well, it's not the main route. That's probably why, no big deal. We didn't see anybody on the trail at all. And um, my husband and Michael were walking quite a bit faster than us. Um, And we get to this point and I I don't see the trail anymore. And and then I look across and I see Jamie, my husband and Michael, and they're just sitting, looking at us. They say the trail was, this is probably why no one's on this trail. Um, And I see that the whole trail has been completely washed away by a mudslide. And so instead of having a nice width to to go along the ridge, there's nothing there. It's just like a steep drop off. And I said, well, how did you get over there? And they said, well, we didn't realize that that was what happened. We just started walking. You know, we were holding on to the roots and things. And then we got halfway across and realized that the trail was washed away. And that was the problem. Oh, my goodness. And I said, so what do you want us to do? And I, I said, I don't think I should. My husband said, I don't think you should cross either. It's really dangerous. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I think we have to keep walking because I don't think it's safe for us to cross back. Oh, my goodness. The two of us decided to turn around and go back to the town and figure out a way to get to the train station. Um, There's a train station at the end of the trail when they get to the bottom of their mountain. Okay. And so we get to the bottom and find out that the trains are on strike. <laughs> Is this in, are you in France at this point? We are in Switzerland. Okay. But we have to get to France. <laughs> We're about I think the whole the whole, you know, if we would just walk around walk through it would have been about a 10k hike. Okay. on the road. Yeah. But it's not safe because you go through, you know, you're going through a tunnel, a border crossing um we talked to people and they said, well, you could walk, but you might get hit by a car. So that right, doesn't sound yeah. like a good plan. No, that doesn't sound very appealing.
0: If you've, if you've managed to do a Mont Blanc trail, but then you yeah. get hit by a car in the town, yeah. that's, not, that's not ideal.
2: We talked to a lot of people and started talking to the bartender at, in the village. And he said, look, if you give me 25 euros, I'll drive you there. Oh, sold. <laughs> so yeah, he was our hero that day. So we got there. We sat and had lunch, waited for the the men to to make their way we're nervous that there's more issues on that trail that we didn't know about we're looking at the you're looking at our phones and realizing that you weren't supposed to be hiking on it in the first place oh
0: my goodness and were you able to stay in touch with them at this point yeah
2: our reception was very um spotty so we had reception at that point but you get alerts on your phone every time that you had reception which was nice so they would text us we're still alive we're we're coming (laughs) uh... just
0: listeners beware Gretchen is
2: telling
0: you how to avoid this kind of disaster going forward but it turned out okay they made it wow yes that Yes, I can imagine that that was a bit of a story. Do you remember the name of your bartender that drove you, your impromptu taxi driver? I think it was Ricardo. So Ricardo is forever the hero of the Mont Blanc trail. Yes. So listen to this, (laughs) folks. If you get stuck on the Mont Blanc trail, go around the villages asking for Ricardo the bar. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, okay. aside from that little uh, mini adventure within the adventure, overall, it's a a safe trail. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to the website. Look in advance like you said you I guess you were some of the first on the trail so with most of these trails they're actually relying on hikers to report back when there's damage yeah. to them mm-hmm. aren't they so yes. I guess if you're kind of pioneering it for that season it does make it quite difficult for you to understand that but yeah I'm thinking July August now sounds yeah. like the best time mm-hmm. to do this this yeah. kind of trail wow fantastic so and then on your final day, where do you end up? You
2: come back to Chamonix where your car is parked? Yes. Yeah, we, it was lovely. We, um, we parked, you know, the night that we arrived right on the um, road that leads to the trail. So, you know, we came out exhausted after six hours of hiking that day and we got right to the car, unlocked the car, you know, were able to change into clothes and go have food in the town before we took off for our five-hour drive back to Chrysler Slotton.
0: That just, it just sounds amazing. It sounds like a con- the kind of a European experience that you're just never going to be able to have anywhere else.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they do h- hiking like that anywhere in the States. I, um, I'm not sure. What,
0: but I mean, ha- where, this is Mont Blanc. It's the tallest yeah. peak in Europe. And to me, this feels like, uh, this feels like a wonderful trip and something that I think has to be on my bucket list. For yes.
2: Sure. One thing I've read, um is that we should have taken the cable car up to the top of Mount Blanc at the end um, from from Chamonix. Um, People say that that's a great way to end your tour because you've seen this mountain you've been hiking around it so yeah we just didn't have time.
0: Yeah that sounds like a great tip actually Um, and just a couple of practical things I'm I'm gonna add the list to your shopping list or uh, your packing list which is fantastic and I love that you've even included things like uh, sunscreen, of course, which seems so obvious, but easy things to miss and, and stuff like that. What about currency? Because we're going through Switzerland, which is Swiss francs, Italy, which is euros, France, which yes. is euros. Can you, can you just, I guess no dollars were accepted anywhere? No.
2: Euros were accepted everywhere, uh, but I would recommend okay. um, getting francs out on your way down because otherwise you're paying a really or exchange rate because the euro is worth yeah. more than the franc. The franc is closer to the dollar. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, what about, I, I guess there's no ATMs up in the mountains, so you need to be pulling cash out before you get there. Can you pay with card at any of these places?
2: No, none of them take card. Uh, so most of the okay. places you have to put a deposit um, when you make your booking. So somehow they can use your card to make a deposit, but yet they can't take them when you arrive. So I don't know how that works. Um, welcome, welcome to Europe. <laughs> they also never make you pay until you leave. And there was um, one time where we actually started hiking away and then we realized we hadn't paid. So <laughs> we walked back and, and, and paid for the room. Um, that was very nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're, they're very, very trusting. But yeah, you um, usually will make you know, a deposit you know, for maybe half the cost or a quarter of the cost. And then you pay the rest in cash when you get there.
0: Uh, did you have to, like, pre-order your – the food, you said breakfast and dinner was always included. Uh-huh. And if you wanted the, the the lunch bags, did you have to pre-order them or did yes. you tell them
2: when you arrived? Oh, you you ordered it at, at dinner time. So Oh, cool. So cool. at dinner, you'd say with – so at breakfast, they'd bring them out and they'd be ready for you when you left.
0: And was the breakfast and dinner, did you have options or was they kind of set menus? I'm thinking – I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat, eat meat.
2: Yeah, so – Almost all of them have a vegetarian option. You have to let them know beforehand. Okay. So that's something when you make your booking, you would want to tell them. Okay. Um, and a lot of them had gluten-free as well. so oh, wow. Um, They're pretty accommodating, but we didn't have any food restrictions. So no. we just ate whatever they,
0: they gave us. Well, I've eaten around France and Italy and Switzerland before. And I have to say, I've never had any complaints about the food. And um, yes. luckily for me, I'm a vegetarian and not a vegan. So cheese features currently still very heavily in my diet, which is, you know, quite a staple of that area isn't it fantastic um oh Gretchen this is such an exciting trip I really I can't wait to go and one of the other things I've noticed in your notes is that you said you know um the beer and the wine was a little more expensive yeah. but I love the fact that you have included this reference so it wasn't like a, a puritanical uh healthy completely all about the exercise trip you guys very clearly had some fun with this and really enjoyed the social side of it as well oh, Yeah, yeah <laughs> and um, is there anything else that you think might be useful to our, our listeners you've shared so much value already um
2: the, so the cost of the the trip i compared to if we'd done a week you know somewhere else i thought it was very reasonable i think you know not including the beer and the wine we spent um somewhere around 650 euros um in that included lunch, so about $650 all out um, gas. We didn't pay for parking. And was
0: that for both of you, both for you and Jamie?
2: Yeah, for both of us together. Wow. There's the, um, the cost of the, like I said, we were there five nights, yeah. and the refuges um, tended to be between, I think the cheapest one, which was actually the nicest one we stayed at, that was in France. That was um, 41 euros a person per night. And that includes um, breakfast and dinner? Yeah, oh and that was in euros. The most expensive was in Switzerland I think it was 70 francs.
0: Yeah that doesn't surprise me. But even so when that includes breakfast and dinner it's fantastic value mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, we we're, we're not talking about luxury hotels here. We're talking about they're more basic than what we would know as a pension in Germany aren't they? We really are talking about hostels.
2: Yeah, you're I mean you're sleeping in you're sleeping one place we, we actually had two beds okay. to ourselves in, in a room. That was um, the first hostel we stayed at, the first refuge. But um, the, we stayed at a dairy farm in Switzerland. That was pretty cool. And they had amazing, you know, Swiss cheese um, on the dinner that they, I guess they used the cows on the dairy farm to make the cheese. It was, it was incredible. Um, but that was the most basic, you know, that was just one huge room with, you know, 80 beds but i'm
0: guessing like after 5 or 6 hours of hiking in the mountains you're actually and then and then dinner by the time you're going to bed you're really not caring anymore about you know whether you're sharing a
2: room oh no we're exhausted it just you know, fell asleep, put in your earplugs if you need them and go straight to sleep. I mean,
0: this is just like an experience like no other. And I think you're talking about, you know, staying on farms in hostels and meeting other travelers. I really think this is something that, do you think it's something that everyone could have a go at? I mean, like we mentioned at the start of the interview, you guys are quite seasoned travelers. You're quite adventurous, but I don't know the
2: way you've broken this down here.
0: I I feel like even the most timid traveler can can have a go at this exciting tour.
2: Yeah, you might not want to do it the way that we did, which was is planet it all on on our own. We did it that way because it was the most cost effective way to do it, um, mm-hmm. and you know we're, we were all experienced travelers and hikers on the trip. But there is also tour companies that can. Um, do guided tours for you. So if you're not comfortable navigating the trails on your own or um, you're not comfortable making the reservations on your own, um, you know, it it might cost you two or three times as much money, but um, you know, they have companies that will, even carry your luggage so you don't have to hike with your pack on their back with their, I guess the the last night that we were there there was a um, group starting um and they all had suitcases and they would load their suitcases oh. into a car and then the car would meet them at their next stop and they had a guide who carried all their food and, and there, there's definitely ways to do it that are uh, more I don't know um Comfortable. Comfortable, yes, yes, comfortable.
0: But then I feel like you're going to miss out on quite a a major part of the experience of this trip. Yeah. This feels like something pretty, pretty special. So, actually, navigating the trails Mm -hmm. is it very well signposted, or do you need to be very good at reading a map? This is actually something that I probably should have asked earlier on in the episode.
2: I don't think you need to be good at reading a map. You need to be observant. um, There's plenty of places where the trail diverges and we weren't paying attention. And I mean, it was clear where we were supposed to go, but we wouldn't realize that we weren't supposed to go straight. We were supposed to turn. And that's why there was an arrow. And that's why we stopped seeing trail markers. Yes. So if you're walking, you know, 10 minutes and you don't see a trail marker, you might not be on the trail anymore. And that happened to us maybe twice the whole trip. And, you know, you you go back to where you were at Mert, and then, oh, we were supposed to turn. There was an arrow.
0: Okay, so it's it's not going to be difficult to actually navigate yourself once you're on the trail, because I mean, I can sort of read a map. But once you have a
2: map that's in the mountains, I have to
0: admit that I find myself getting a little bit confused.
2: You're you're going to be on a trail, but that trail might not be the Tour de Mont Blanc anymore. So, (laughs) you you know what the Tour de Mont Blanc signs look like? And make sure that that's what you're following. They say TMB, it's not hard. Okay, TMB, TMB. So we're following (laughs) TMB.
0: So Gretchen, thank you so much. There is so much information here. I'm going to cram it all into the show notes so that even the most timid and scared and shy traveler can have a crack at this amazing tour of Mont Blanc and I hope have a very similar, if not better experience than you guys did. (laughs) I'm definitely going to be one of those people. I'm taking myself and my husband on this trip next year. I think I like the idea of doing the week tour like you did. I think two weeks feels a little bit scary to me to be away and carrying my own kit and stuff. But I think, you know, like five nights away, six days hiking, that feels like something that, even i can manage and i have to say i am i'm an, i like a little bit of luxury with my travel so this this will be a big trip for me but i'm really excited about it
2: it also gives you the excuse that you have to go back because you haven't done the whole thing so now we're thinking you know we're going to have to do the second half
0: i love that that is brilliant Gretchen thank you so much I'm definitely getting you back on the podcast again to talk about some of your other adventures because I think uh, what you and Jamie do the way you guys travel around with your kids is just fantastic and your experiences are so valuable to other travelers thank you so much thank you well what did you think of that episode explorers that's really one for mountain goats or those that would like to at least try something a bit more adventurous The Tour de Mont Blanc is a spectacular trek that unwinds around the Mont Blanc massif and that crosses the Italian, Swiss and French territories. Mont Blanc does have a reputation for being a challenging and potentially dangerous mountain, but I think if you plan carefully and stick to Gretchen's advice, it could be the trip of a lifetime. It's going to be a really incredible memory that you take away from your time in Europe. Plus my good friend and sustainable living champion, Jen Gale, to share a sustainable travel tip. A small change we can all make to reduce our impact on the planet as we explore more of it. Take it away, Jen. Thanks so much, Michelle. Here is today's sustainable travel tip. Now, if you're traveling somewhere where the water isn't safe to drink, then check out Water To Go. It's a reusable bottle with a portable filtration system that eliminates well over 99.9% of any nasties, making the water perfectly safe to drink. But do remember that the water is safe to drink everywhere in Germany, including fountains that are direct from mountain springs, And there's lots of these in many of lovely remote villages that you might well discover on a hike. If you'd like to get more sustainable tips from Jen, visit her website at www.asustainablelife.co.uk. It's packed full of resources and ideas for really simple steps we can all take to collectively make a big change. I believe the best travellers leave nothing behind but a good impression and take nothing away but great memories.
1: Thank you for listening to Explore Europe. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to the good guys at Used Car Guys for sponsoring today's episode. You can find them online at usedcarguys.net or on location at Kaiserslautern, Ramstein, Spangdalem, and Wiesbaden. We'd love to hear from you, so tell us in the comment section where you'd like us to visit next. And let us know where you'll be exploring using the hashtag ExploreEurope on Twitter. See you next time, explorers.